we're kind of at the point though where there's so many things going on you know we could just talk for an hour which is not the goal of the structure of class so maybe just a couple high level items the the pod marketplace is in the final stages of testing and cleaning up the website uh and we hope to propose the bib for the pod marketplace within a week or less and that is you know that's a big project uh that beanjoyer who's here has been uh leading uh quite well uh maybe beanjoyer do you want to just come up and talk about the the pod marketplace briefly hey can you guys hear me yep hey Thanks, Publius, and thank you, Dumpling. I, I think I spoke about it in a class um, a bit ago, so I, I mean, I could give a high-level overview again of, of sort of how it's going to work, but um, before, before I dive into that, um, yeah, it's been an awesome project to be a part of, and I want to thank, I mean, a bunch of people have come together to help, um, so thank you to Silo Chad, Lawrence, Austin, a bunch of uh, team members from the community. Have, have been pitching in so i um, want to thank everybody and, and it's really cool to get this as the first like independent uh you know bean project and thanks a lot to publius for all the advising as far as how it's going to work um yeah it's going to make plots listable um and buy offers uh a thing where you can sort of place a uh, ask for amount of pods um, that people can sell you their listings. So yeah, there's two different sides to the marketplace. Um, it's buying and selling pods. And so if you have listings, you'll be able to sell them and, and set a price and uh, a place in the, the pod line where that listing will expire. And if you want to buy pods um, rather than sow new ones, you'll be able to specify a price that you'll pay and a, a place in the line that you'll buy up to and an amount that you can buy. Um, so yeah, hopefully this will, will create like an efficient market uh, for for the pods for the debt um, because you'll have both bids and asks going, and so you'll be able to see sort of the prices people are valuing uh, valuing different uh, tranches of debt in the debt line. So uh, happy to to answer any specifics. Uh, it's all it's all sort of just getting tested now though, so it should be released in in about a week or so. Um, and excited. To, to see that out there and we would just add you know in the spirit of really decentralizing the education process given that bean really did lead the development of the pod marketplace we would encourage any questions to be directed towards them and obviously we're happy to answer as well but you know there's there's real benefit to multiple individuals uh, having the ability to contribute to Beanstalk at this stage already. And between Beanjoyer and Leo Fib and Beasley, um, who are all working on the back end in various capacities, we're feeling very good about the decentralization of the development of Beanstalk. I also mentioned um, Mr. Manifold, who's in the audience, could pop up if there's questions about Beansprout. Um, to be in or not to be in, um, questions about notes, um, JWW, questions about payroll or the notion. Um, there's just several people who 
could answer questions as well as Publius, which is really exciting. It's uh, the community is quickly growing. And so with that in mind, maybe maybe just to complete the high level overview before we yield to questions is in addition to the pod marketplace, which we think is just a big step towards a more sophisticated beanstalk ecosystem. The, the other thing that's in the pipeline in the immediate future is uh, we're going to propose a BIP, Beanstalk Farms will propose a BIP uh, to upgrade the silo um, to be more of a generalized version of the silo um, such that it can support uh, deposits of arbitrary ERC-20 tokens. And that will allow us to very easily incorporate the Bean E3 curve pool into the silo. That will be a part of that BIP. Um, and then it will also set Beanstalk up for easily incorporating other liquidity pools or potentially other tokens into the silo as well. So that's also in the very near future, the exact proposal data, you know, there's just a lot going on with the pod marketplace deployment as well. So when that happens is a little bit up in the air, but um, that's another major event towards increasing the the state of Beanstalk towards being uh, closer to uh, being really flexible to, you know, such that an additional incorporation of an additional pool or another token is really just uh, as simple as a BIP. Uh, and that's that's what we're working towards in the near future. So that's kind of what the pipeline looks like for the next couple of weeks. And there's some interesting other stuff going on through Bean Sprout around a Bean Frax pool, which may get launched sooner rather than later as well as a decentralized uh, three pool with Bean, Frax, and USDV. Um, and so there's a lot of, both of those pools will hopefully also be integrated into the silo through BIPs, but the upgrade to the silo in the BIP that we intend to propose shortly will enable that to be done incredibly simply. So that's what the, that's what the short-term roadmap looks like and you know maybe with with that as a starting point it's best to yield to questions sure i'd encourage people to um also come to the the dow meetings um on thursday and just to get more involved with the uh, the discord and to ask for access to the notion and just uh if you want to get more involved just reach out to me there's so much going on and plenty of uh plenty of open seats and places for people to fit in and contribute. So, um, okay, so we'll open up the floor to questions. Also, you can post them uh, in the uh, in the discussion board, uh, which you'll see in the same channel. So, uh, AMA, AMA questions. Uh, Austin? Yeah. A question uh, is based on what you mentioned earlier. What would be an example of a non-LP ERC twenty token that would make sense to eventually integrate into the silo? So, an example would be 
FXS tokens. So if we are able to, through FRAX governance, have um, have some sort of dividend paid out to the silo, right? Because if you if there's some dividend, if it's on curve, it may be curve, uh, you know. But there's different forms of incentives that will be paid out to LP providers, and if those tokens are deposited in the silo, the silo is actually going to be accruing those tokens, if that makes sense. And so from an accounting perspective, uh, we want Beanstalk to be incredibly flexible as to how it treats those interest payments or those uh, dividend payments, where in certain instances, you may want the the person who's getting paid those uh those rewards to have them receive additional stock and seeds for those assets, or in certain cases, you may not. So the idea is that um, the silo will be totally flexible to support these general, uh, these general incentive structures. And, and maybe just to add on to that, you know, this begs the question, well, who's in charge of, figuring out what the incentives are for each pool. And so one thing that we've started to look into is uh, upgrading the uh, stock and seed allocations for each pool as opposed to being uh, hard-coded per se to have something closer to a gauge system uh, like what exists on Curve. And, you know, this gets a little complicated, but to throw a couple things at you, the in order to make it work uh you know you may want this is the important thing you may not want to uh give seeds to certain pools you may want to only give them stock um but then the question is well how do you create a similar incentive from the seeds and so we're going to also probably have the ability to um without seeds just have pools receive like additional stock but the rule would still remain the same where you have to burn the associated stock rewards when you withdraw the deposit if that makes sense so and i know that's a little confusing and i don't think we said it particularly well but the idea here is that there's going to be an abstraction uh of all of the stock seeds and grown stock where at a pool level, uh, you may get stock and seeds, uh, or you may just get stock and grown stock. Uh, and the rate at which you receive grown stock or receive stock and seeds is gonna be largely up to some sort of gauge vote. Um, and the idea there is that um, that will allow the ecosystem the most flexibility to support all sorts of different cool protocols that want access to bean liquidity but at the same time, you don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, for a very short period in time, offer high seed rewards, for example, that are now, uh, that can come back to bite the ecosystem, perhaps. So the idea is we want to offer a lot of flexibility such that, um, depending on the status of the pool, you can get different types of rewards. Um, we are working on like a general roadmap to, to lay out a lot of these different ideas. Um, 
But like, if anything, this is just an indication that our thought process as to where development is going is sort of entering the next stage of detail at this point in time. And these are very interesting questions to address, but good problems to address. Like this is, you know, the question of how do we make the silo as scalable as humanly possible in a decentralized fashion? It's, it's a very exciting problem to be working on. Awesome. That was a very helpful example. Thank you. Uh, JWW, go ahead. Yeah, so Publius, I was wondering um, a little bit about, I know we talked about um, down the road making the stock and seeds ERC-20s, and I think you just mentioned that again. Um, but I was wondering, like, if I, if someone had, or like just me, me as a case uh, example, like with ERC-20s of stock and seeds, and I just sell them for some arbitrary amount to some other wallet, um, is that is that going to be possible where I could just basically sell my stock and seeds to some other wallet again for like one bean or something like that, and then keep the other wallet um, just with the beans or yeah j just for arbitraging basically without then going through the process of of losing and burning my stock and seeds as I as I sell my beans? Does that make sense? So that's not possible. Uh, anytime you withdraw assets from a silo, you have to burn the appropriate amount of stock and seeds. So that will never change. If you sell your stock in order to withdraw your assets from the silo, you have to buy stock or receive stock somehow. So um, if you sell the stock in order to withdraw, you'll have to buy it back at some point in the future. And this is specifically where the stock and seeds becoming liquid makes the deposited assets even stickier because the vast majority of deposit assets will probably now be broken up into people sell part of their stock or their seeds and now in order to withdraw the asset you actually have to pay uh, to buy stock and seeds back so that makes it even less and less attractive to withdraw so does that help yeah no that helps so that helps that's a ton that's really clarifying thank you so then so then if that if that happens like there's going to be something that we have on the site that says the same way like when you're trying to do transaction right now without enough eth like we're going to have something basically that says either on this site or on MetaMask, like, no, you need, you know, X amount more stock uh, in order to do the withdrawal. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Thanks. Okay. We have a question from Kubis uh, on the, uh, the AMA question board. Since beans are minted for BIPs, for example, the Q1 budget, does this result in bean debasement? If so, is there a limit of how many beans can be minted for BIPs? So, yes, uh, you know, the short answer is anytime you mint the bean supply, you're going to dilute the rest of the bean holders unless you distributed all the beans pro rata based on bean ownership. So in this case, if you mint 2 million beans for the Q1 budget and keep the beans, you know, in bean stock farms and bean sprout, the rest of the bean holders have been diluted. Um, now, there is no limit to how many beans could be minted through a BIP. A BIP can arbitrarily change bean stock, including minting beans. But we would just take this opportunity to highlight why we've decided to go the route of minting beans at a, you know, for a purpose as opposed to something like a treasury. So most other protocols have uh, a treasury that either is fixed in size 
uh, you know, that could be like, oh, 200 million beans, or uh, every portion of bean mints could get allocated to a treasury. Um, but both of those instances are sort of suboptimal from our perspective. In the first case, you know, anytime you have a massive amount of beans minted like that, you're probably going to have them pretty inefficiently spent. And so apples to apples, we think that it's much better to have specific targeted budgets passed where you request beans and say, this is how, how many beanstalk farms said specifically, this is how many beans beanstalk farms needs to operate through the end of the quarter. This is what we intend to use them on. And then at the end of the quarter, if beanstalk farms isn't doing a good job, the Dow can decide not to refund. Whereas now you've got some huge treasury and it's very hard to uh, backtrack or correct course when the treasury starts to uh, allocate funds in a suboptimal fashion. So that's, you know, that's the first route that you could take. Now, instead of having a treasury where, you know, a portion of all bean mints go to the beanstalk farms treasury or something like that, or the beanstalk treasury that the Dow can then allocate, the reason we didn't want to go with that is because that's effectively a tax on the system where now you're just going to have this huge pool of assets that over time is accumulating, which sure, if the beans are never getting sold, what's the difference? But at the same time, that's an inefficiency introduced into the system. And so we'd much rather have a really clean functioning beanstalk. And then going back to the first point, have specific targeted budgets that require beans to be minted for a specific purpose. And we think that in the grand scheme of things that will result in the least amount of dilution to uh, bean holders, if that makes sense. So it's, there's no, there's no right answer. And, you know, to some extent, it'd be great to have a 200 million bean treasury. Like, yeah, that's a nice big number, but in reality, that's probably not, that's not where uh, bean stock will be made. If that makes sense. Like there's, you can't just give away beans and make bean stock happen. Uh, and in fact, giving away endless beans is probably a good way to make beanstalk not happen because one of the core principles of beanstalk is to not mint beans unless there is um, demand for them. And in the case of a treasury, now you're going to have some sort of arbitrary supply that can be sold at basically any time for any reason. Uh, and, you know, the goal is to have a much more minimized version of that in the form of one-time budgets that are much more specific. Great. Thanks for that. Awesome. Hey, Publis. I know you had mentioned there were some implement implications to making stock and seed liquid, for one being that you would have to consider the cases where sometimes folks want to keep their and seeds in the beanstalk contracts for the sake of tax efficiency and other scenarios where maybe you want it in your wallet so you can go to balancer or wherever the LP is to trade those stock and seeds. Is there ever a world where silo beans would be liquid? I was just kind of curious and why or why not? It's a great question. Silo beans could also become an ERC-20 token, where instead of when you deposit a bean, you receive one stock and two seeds, you receive one stock, two seeds, and a silo bean. Um, and it would obviously trade at some discount to a bean. Um, 
there's no right answer as to whether there should be a silo bean or not. However, the silo bean would basically have two effects. One is it would result in a an increase in deposit costs, um, just because there's an additional an additional asset. Um, and so all things being equal, you know, we're trying to keep transactions cheap uh, when interacting with Beanstalk. And so at the margin, the question is, well, given that there's additional cost to making us to every single deposit, to making a silo bean uh, exist, the question that becomes, well, what's the benefit? And on the one hand, there is a benefit of just having another fungible asset in Beanstalk with its own unique like return profile, this would be like a non-yield bearing asset. So it's kind of just dead weight. And the result would be it would have some sort of face value, but not be yield bearing. And therefore it would just likely from a macro perspective result in a reduction of the overall price of a stock and a seed relative to a bean. And given that the hope is that stock and seeds are uh, given that they're yield bearing assets, they're very attractive to be incorporated into other other protocols, why would we want to dilute the value of stock and seeds to create some other asset that is totally useless and we don't have a reasonable expectation that it would be incorporated into other protocols? So in the spirit of maximizing the value of stock and seeds and minimizing gas costs, um, we we don't think that it makes sense to make a silo bean. Um, you know, that's an open discussion. Like if the community really wanted it, we're obviously happy to have that have that conversation. But um, for the reasons we laid out, we don't think that it's it's something that is particularly beneficial to be in stock, and therefore, you know, probably inclined to just keep it as stock and seeds. Gotcha. Yeah, it was more of a, a shower thought than anything else. But was curious to hear your thoughts. Love shower thoughts, and it was a good one. Did it. Um, Maybe just take this opportunity to also comment because you had mentioned the complexity around uh, the stock and seeds uh, and efficiency around taxes. Um, the one of the other projects that the development team is working on is to generalize uh, the bean farm. So currently, if I have harvestable pods, for example, or withdrawn beans that I can claim. Uh, I can go to and from the field and silo back and forth um, without the funds ever hitting your wallet, which, again, we implemented uh, upon the recommendation of one of our community members because they suggested for certain people that's more beneficial. And so the question is, how can we generalize the silo and field where you can go in and out of both the silo and the field on the farm generally or just be wrapped effectively on the farm. And so what, what we're developing is wrapper functionality, similar to how the balancer vault works, where you'll be able to have arbitrary assets on the bean farm, not even necessarily in the silo or the field without ever um, having those assets hit your wallet. And so there's gonna be this wrapper functionality for stock and seeds and beans that um, helps facilitate users to to interact with Beanstalk in a really customizable fashion. I just want to make sure I followed that properly. 
So in what way is that distinct from like withdrawn beans that are claimable or harvestable pods that you can instantly move back and forth? So what we're going to do is generalize that to basically include any asset. So you could uh, sell beans into ETH, but keep the Ethereum wrapped on the bean farm. Uh, oh, and then wow. you could okay. buy beans back and keep those beans wrapped or move them to the silo or the field. And you can do that with arbitrary assets. So you could take your uh, literally any asset that has liquidity against bean, wrap it on the farm, and then use it through Beanstalk. Gotcha. You're blowing my mind a little bit. That's super exciting. We're thinking big here, Austin. Okay, uh, floor is open. <clears throat> we also have another question from uh, Pubis on the AMA question board. Uh, he says, the weather has reached over 5,000% and I'm afraid that those new to the protocol may find it unusual and then will be hesitant to participate. The protocol overpaying for sown beans? So to answer you, your specific question, the protocol is not overpaying for sown beans because currently it doesn't, it's not even attracting demand for soil at the current weather. So de facto, the weather is not high enough. Um, with regards to, or I guess not de facto, maybe de facto. Yeah, we accept. Uh, to answer the your more general point that people may find it concerning, you know, we had a conversation with someone today where they put Beanstalk in a new perspective that we hadn't previously thought of, which speaks to this concern, which is, and it's, this is how it was designed, but we never have thought to speak it. We've never even thought of it in this capacity. Um, whereas the vast majority of protocols, if you uh, miss the, the early period, like you've kind of missed out. Um, and there's there's some sort of fixed reward pool, and that reward pool is always decreasing. Uh, whereas in the case of Beanstalk, uh, the weather increasing over time actually makes it more attractive for people to enter later in the game. And so while, as we've spent a lot of time discussing, the soil system is designed to create an efficient market for soil, uh, at the same time, the fact that the weather continues to go up is offering a really high return for later participants in the protocol, which is pretty unique. Um, and from a just posi positioning perspective, I think what we would want to, as a community, maybe highlight is not that the weather being so high is an indication of things being in a poor state, but instead an indication of uh, the fact that the protocol is not designed to only benefit early adopters. And there is some benefit to coming in at the current stage as opposed to at an earlier stage um, in terms of the weather, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I was, I was just going to say that that's a fascinating point. Um, you know, there's this, there's this concept called like the token effect, right? Which is, 
kind of in contrast with network effects in Web 2 businesses. Um, our network effects still apply in Web 3, but, you know, I would, I would be curious if anyone here can think of another protocol or, or Web 3 model in which, you know, those incentives are kind of reversed, like Publius mentioned, such that, you know, later adopters can actually reap higher returns from the protocol. I think that's something super interesting, and I'm happy that that, that got brought up to you, Julian. And of course, like the pure economist in us disagrees and we're like, well, you're always better off acting sooner rather than later. But the fact remains, and I think it's an important, it is an important thing to highlight, given that that's such a concern at this point in time. Okay, uh, the floor is open for questions. I have another, but don't want to hog the, the floor if anyone has other questions. No, Austin, you have, you have very good questions. <laughs> Appreciate it, Dumpling. Um, okay, let, I'll go again let then. Let the record show that if your questions were not good, we would still let you ask them, Austin. But they are good. Well, I appreciate that, uh, that note as well. Um, so what was I going to say? So I was thinking about look the, the last week or week and a half of behavior in Beanstalk has been really interesting as the ETH price has dipped a bit. Um, notably the deposited LP and deposited graphs have almost entirely stopped declining, indicating that, which would seem to indicate that the stock incentive mechanisms are working. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying my conviction in Beanstalk is as strong as ever. And I'm curious in your experience, uh, you know, on these calls with potential partners, whether they're DAO treasury managers or other DeFi projects that want to use a decentralized stablecoin. I'm curious if you find yourself having to like hop through additional hoops in order to uh, convince them of the value of being, you know, despite it hovering around like say 90 cents or whatever it is on a given day. Um, I I'm curious how some of those like calls uh, have been going at a high level. I mean, to be honest, I don't think that most people, if the concern is the immediate price, raise that with us. Um, instead, people are concerned about, is the model sustainable, which may be the same question, but we've, mm. we've been asked whether the model was sustainable at any price, if that makes sense. So uh, if anything, where you might expect it to play out is just people are less eager to adopt beans at 87 cents. But I mean, just speaking honestly, that's not been our experience over the past week, and especially given this is where like the pump and dump in September was a blessing in disguise. The fact that Beanstalk has that history of um, going down to 24 cents, people, are, at least the people that we've been talking with who have interest in Bean, they're, they're not really concerned about the marginal week below peg or um, a dip to 80 cents even, you know, and anyone who's looking at the meaningful data and you clearly are, Austin, focused on the withdrawal data, there's a lot of really positive indicators that even with these large outflows uh, from the crypto markets in general, um, the outflows from Beanstalk have been very minimal. 
and especially given the structure of stock and seeds, where over time your incentive uh, to stay increases over time, we do probably expect that the people that were going to leave during the flush have left. And so things have now been flushed out. And, um, you know, between ETH coming back up a little bit, uh, there has been a little bit of demand for beans since the price has started to recover a little bit. So I don't know if we have a an expectation as to, you know, how much that's affecting us on a day-to-day. Um, but, you know, like we... I mean, candidly, it's not, I don't think from a meaningful participant, like a, the protocols that are interested in really integrating beans or pods um, or doing something with us, uh, yeah, it's not. it hasn't really come up. So it may be just, you know, the elephant in the room, but you know us, like we're happy to address the elephant in the room. So if anything, it, it feels more like it's not the biggest obstacle at the moment. And when you say that their main questions are around if the model is sustainable, like wh- what do you think that they're really like getting at there? Are they looking at the debt level or? Well, it, it's hard to say, and it depends on the conversation, obviously, and the context. Um, but most, most protocols, in order to integrate Bean in some capacity, you know, are are interested in what's going on here, right? It, if you look at the history of other algo stables, they've all died. And so we don't look at it as a, as a negative question. Like that's the obvious question is, well, everyone else has died. So why aren't you guys going to die? And we feel like we have lots of uh, compelling reasons why that's the case. Um, but there's nothing wrong with asking. Makes sense. Thanks. Ahmad, do you have a question for us? Yeah. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Um, I, I had uh, two questions, or um, one one is more of a follow up uh, to the um, um, the question of higher weather gives a higher reward to a later participant, um, and and I agree with that. But isn't this the case, anyways, for for any business? Is that the more you know desperate you are in, in raising capital, uh, the more discount you're willing to give out, and you pay it back once you succeed. And if you don't, then you don't. So th- does this make a difference, or a different? I mean, or this Certainly. is what all businesses like. I, what, what you're describing is totally accurate. Um, I think if anything, it's just a different way of framing. It's not about the the micro, right? At a micro level, you're totally right. If you can't attract demand, you have to increase or decrease your price, which is in this case, increasing the weather. Um, so that's what's happening at a micro level. This is more a comment at a macro level that the vast majority of other crypto protocols, it is sort of a question of, you know, did you get in early? Uh, and in this case, there is an equalizing factor where even if you didn't get in early, you can make up for that by participating when there's higher weather. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Um, uh, the second question, um, which was um, the idea of, I know right now that, you know, um, we're, we're not like selling out of soil, 
but when we do uh, the idea of of measuring demand of soil uh, through uh, option calls, do, do you think this idea makes sense? And you know, if it does, is it even like you know worth considering? Or does so, it work? So maybe just to state your idea, um, and correct us if I'm wrong, but the idea is that when you have excess demand for soil, um, in addition to the soil minted every season you can sell some sort of uh, future on more soil so that people can pay to reserve their spot of soil in advance. Uh, almost, yes. So when there is no more soil, we've sold out of soil and, and people are waiting uh, to buy soil because that's happening. So, you know, we're selling out of soil in consecutive seasons. Then when you're out of soil, uh, you start taking pre-orders in the form of deposits. Uh, and then whenever soil is available, those who have put those deposits automatically buy that soil. And then those who oh, have yeah. put those deposits can also, you know, cancel at any time. But when they cancel, they pay a fee. So the, let's, let's think about what the goal of soil is. Uh, the goal of soil when the price is too low is to remove beans from the supply. Uh, the goal of soil when the price is too high is simply to measure demand for soil. What you're suggesting is that when demand for soil is too high, we sell additional soil or allow people to reserve additional soil, which would effectively be minting more soil in advance, you know, because Kind of uh, future. And sorry, but but you only you only sell it when it's there. So you, you're not you're not minting it, or you're not issuing it. You only know what's the demand. Correct. And only as you know, calculating it season on season, totally. you start selling it to those but who the, are. The point there. is that in that case, in you're already because the price is too high. You're in a case where you don't want, um, you don't want to 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 mint soil. Uh, in fact, you know, the new minimum soil uh, when there's excess demand for soil is designed to really make sure that Beanstalk doesn't mint too much soil when the price is too high. Um, now, while I agree that you're not actually minting the soil on the pods in the moment, you're still actually opening up the doorway for demand for that soil too soon. And specifically when we consider that the goal of soil is to create demand for beans when the price is below a dollar, Beanstalk would much rather wait, not allow you the opportunity to buy the soil in advance when the price is too high, and force you to wait to buy that same soil when the price is too low, or not buying soil, but buying beans to sow, sow beans in the soil. And so the, the issue with creating this sort of uh, future uh, is that you're now reducing the or you're, you're increasing the amount of soil that is minted, which is not what you want to do to minimize inorganic demand. Uh, don't mean to keep going on, on this one, uh, but when you take deposits, aren't you increasing demand for beans? Because anyone who wants to buy... But that's the what Beanstalk doesn't want. Bean. Beanstalk doesn't want to increase demand for beans when the price is too high. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Publius. Uh, Publius, I had a question. Um, can you uh, talk about uh, Vader and the the Vader airdrop, and also kind of what Vader is and uh, and and their goals with uh, you know with inter 
sort of working with uh, Beanstalk? So, first two things. One, uh, Vader and Afra are two different, totally independent protocols. Uh, Afra uh, is the one with the airdrop, um, and Afra is specifically creating a de- is working on creating a decentralized three pool with Bean USDV, which is the Vader stablecoin, and Frax. Um, so the Bean Sprout has been doing a lot of the work with Afra um, to coordinate this, and so maybe Mr. Manifold, uh, you're you're the best person to answer Dumpling's question. Yeah, sure. Um, so as Publius mentioned. Uh, Afra is not Vader. So Vader is a burn-to-mint stablecoin on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and Afra is just using Vader as one of its components in its decentralized three-pool. So the airdrop that uh, field and silo participants are receiving is from Afra. Um, not Vader. So sorry if that wasn't clarified initially. Um, but that's that kind of case. And we should actually most likely be, uh, expect to receive that airdrop uh, sometime this week. Um, I'll say the little that I do know, it's going to be, you know, the Afra, some stable coin or ETH pool will be initially really, really low liquidity, kind of just to let the market play out. Um, and can't kind of, you know, try to create the most fair and equitable uh, token allocation and distribution as possible. And then eventually AFR will start issuing bonds, um, whether it's uh, AFRA and some stablecoin, Curve Convex, um, or, you know, like Bean USDV, for example, to start building its treasury up to basically start arbitraging these various pegs. Okay, great. And so the, I guess, how does, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, their, their vision and how, um, how, how Bean fits in and sort of why, why Afra chose Bean to, the Bean community to, to do an airdrop or how you guys, just a little more about that? Yeah, totally. So, you know, I don't want to speak uh, you know, I think it's also a good idea to get Andrew um, maybe into one of these AMAs at some point. So, um, so he can speak more directly towards Afra. But I'll give you my perspective on why Afra is uh, really, really promising for Bean and Beanstalk. So, you know, by creating this decentralized three pool of three distinct state decentralized algorithmic stable coins in being usdv in front you can kind of start to aggregate um the unique features of these three different mechanisms so again so usdv is a burn to mint stable coin so it's more of like this mechanical approach to peg stability frax is a uh semi-collateralized model um, so it's kind of this more explicit, you know, mint and redemption um, for USDC um, approach to peg stability. And then, as we know, Bean is a credit-based approach that's uncollateralized. Um, and so the reason why I personally think that this is really, really interesting for Bean is because 
I can see this leading to a lot of demand for beans. So, you know, walk you through one potential scenario. Um, let's say that beans are, you know, we have, a, we have a three pool and beans are overweight in that three pool, such that, you know, beans are trading below peg and there's an excess of beans in the, in the three pool. You know, we're trying to work out, you know, a dynamic such that, you know, that causes, you know, fracks to potentially mint into that pool um, to start to reweight it. And, and also, you know, stability from Vader on the burn to mint side to, to reweight the pool. Um, and, you know, if beans are underweight such that beans are trading above one on the pool, um, that, you know, could also cause beans to mint, right? That would cause beans to mint if, you know, we have a price oracle um, that is tied to that pool eventually. Um, so, you know, this is one way of saying that we think by leveraging, you know, some of the, you know, diverse peg stability dynamics of these other stable coins, it can create, you know, some sort of reflexive feedback loops um, that are really positive for bean demand. Another reason why it's really interesting is, is that, you know, when we think about what type of liquidity and capital we want Beanstalk to attract, you know, I like to think of it from like a time-weighted perspective. What I mean by that is, you know, we want long-term capital that is invested into Beanstalk and is ready to arbitrage and defend its peg rather than kind of transient capital. So by introducing a partner like Afra, you know, you can imagine a world where, you know, Afra, let's say, attracts, you know, 40, 50 million dollars of liquidity on its initial bond sales. Um, and, you know, takes that D3 pool, takes a position within the silo and starts to accrue um, a greater and greater percentage of, you know, stock and seeds and, and new bean mints. Um, and what that could ultimately lead to is this dynamic where, hey, a lot of these new bean mints are going to long-term capital partners um, versus, you know, maybe speculators or maybe more, you know, transient, like, you know, opportunity-seeking capital. Um, and so that could also help stabilize the peg because, um, you know, you're not really, you're, you're basically, you know, allocating more and more of total bean supply into longer term hands that is going to regularly arbitrage the peg. So, um, you know, I know that's a lot and I'm already seeing some messages come in, so I should probably explain this a little bit better, but those are some of the reasons why I'm really, really excited about Afrin. You know, one of the last thing I'll say is, you know, when, when we think about bean, you know, you know, issuing, you know, debt is just one of, you know, many potential ways to stabilize the peg and, you know, arbitraging around the peg is something that we all expect to start happening. Um, and AFRA is really the first play into that um, to start to arbitrage Beans Peg in a big way. You know, we still haven't gone to that phase in our protocol's growth. And so that's another reason why it's really exciting. You know, a big player coming in, helping arbitrage Beans Peg alongside, you know, Beans, you know, native stability mechanisms. But, you know, AFRA being the first mover, you know, the thought is we'll see more and more players come to enter this ARB market, um, continuing to tighten uh, Beans Peg. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, that you expanded, Mr. Manifold. That was really great. Um, also, just looking at, like, I think that the other reason that people might really like this three pool is because the, the difference between that and the curve three pool that, you know, is, is DAI, USDC, and USDT. You know, there's a lot of 
USDC and USDT haters out there. And I think that if um, that just pulling that up on, on CoinGecko, I see like 6 billion is the size of that liquidity pool. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty great. Um, totally. Okay. And, and, and I'm not sure if anyone saw, um, you know, there's this guy on Twitter at Bianco research, take a look at, you know, his last post about, um, you know, USDC, USDT market caps, um, you know, um, basically slowing of inflows of centralized stable coins into DeFi. And, you know, as Publius often mentions, there, there's literally a shortage of stable coins. So, you know, I get really excited personally because a decentralized three pool that can mint at a much faster rate and, and grow um, in a more scalable fashion is really, really interesting. And I think everybody in this call knows that that's kind of ultimately the real solution that, you know, DeFi is, is going to need and, and turn towards um, to scale itself um, and scale its st stablecoin market. So a lot of really, really cool reasons to get excited about that. And Mr. Manifold, would you mind dropping that Bianca research thing into the, uh, the discussion board? Yeah, I will. It's actually in the general chat and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll also post it in the uh, discussion board. Gotcha. Cool. Um, well, we're open for questions. Um, if not, Publius, I had another question for you. Um, I wondered if you could talk us through um, the kind of whipsaw. Um, if you, you know, for people who check the bean price on uh, on CoinGecko, the you know to see it, you know, uh, go from you know up and down ten cents, you know, within the matter of a few seconds, is that um, people arbitraging? Um, you know, how much uh, do we know about? specifics of that are people um arbitraging that is that bots um and can you just talk about that the that motion a little bit so well the coin gecko thing is separate coin gecko just doesn't have particularly accurate information always um that's separate um but if you're trying to just understand yeah i mean i'm looking here on coin gecko I don't know no, if I have a, a good explanation for you here on, on why this chart looks like this. Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually know. This doesn't look very accurate to me. Yeah, I, I, this chart seems pretty inaccurate. Okay. Is the short answer. Oh. And could you, uh, how about... Uh, since the integration of the uh, the curve pool and um, you know how that's affected stability and can you just talk a little bit about that? Definitely. So the curve pool has been one of the main reasons why the broader crypto meltdown didn't have as large of an effect on beans um, because now there's liquidity against beans that isn't correlated to the price of Ethereum in this case the three curve. And accordingly, that has resulted in some arbitrage opportunities between the pools where, for example, the value of the ETH increases or decreases such that there's now a difference in the value you can extract uh, from the pools. That has resulted in some pretty significantly large uh, trades between the curve and Uniswap pools. Um, but that 
that might be a little bit too in the weeds. Um, the the bigger point is that the the curve liquidity pool has been a a large factor in the dampening of the bean volatility, even with with the market in in the state that it was, and you know the outflows that did happen over the past week, even though they weren't too bad. Uh, you know all of all of it has been contributing to the price coming down. The curve pool has been a major stabilizer. Go ahead, Austin. Okay, I've got another one for you. Um, so whenever providing liquidity to the curve is integrated into the silo, would you expect that to have a impact on price stability? So it's tough to say. Um, the thing that will create stability is demand for beans and demand for the bean three curve pool, um, such that people want to add liquidity to it. Uh, it's a little hard to speculate as to whether or not the silo incorporation will create that uh, demand, but obviously only one way to find out. That makes sense. Um, I also remember you mentioning how the convert functionality might play with the providing liquidity to curve. I guess what would, so right now the arbitrage opportunity is that, you know, if bean dips however much below a dollar, you're incentivized to convert your LP tokens to silo beans. What might that arbitrage opportunity look like with uh, converting to uh, liquidity in the curve pool? So the first thing to note is that the integration of convert um, will be part of a separate BIP. The initial integration of the Bean 3 curve pool into the silo will purely allow for deposits of those tokens and withdrawals from the silo. Um, the convert functionality is a little bit more complicated to build out. Um, and accordingly, it won't be in the same BIP, but it, it, in short, and I don't know if I have a, a concise answer for you here, so maybe it's just best to leave it at the goal will be, you know, within a week or two after rolling out the initial curve integration, it might be a little more than a week or two, um, to also support uh, convert functionality in the Bean 3 curve pool uh, as it's supported in the Bean ETH Uniswap pool. Um, but then also, and the, this is the reason it might take a little longer, is we're trying to generalize conversions such that you can go from, again, if we take the general bean farm uh, and the general bean silo structure, we really want you to be able to convert any siloed asset to any siloed asset. Um, and so we're trying to figure out whether we can generalize that in this step or whether we'll just have to incorporate the bean three curve pool, if that's helpful. Yeah, that is helpful. Appreciate it.
Hey, Poop. That's Jack. Oh, what's up, guys? Uh, so I have a question. When, uh, like, in the future, ERC-20 tokens are uh, going to be generalized so you could deposit anything into the silo, right, as far as I understand, um, like, the broad point of Beans is so that people can have a low interest rate loan if they wanted to take out a loan for something and then they get 0.1%. Um, so like, for example, a lot of people used Rary with Ohm and then they do nine, nine. Um, so they deposit Ohm and then it would still accumulate and then they'd take out a loan and then buy more Ohm. Uh, if people did that with Ohm, like in the silo, like could they deposit Ohm in the silo and then take out a loan for beans? Sorry. Uh, I'm really tired today. <laughs> My question is like the entire point of beans is so that there's low interest rate loans. Is that going to be integrated into the protocol at some point where people can deposit collateral and withdraw beans? So in that case, the transaction wouldn't be a deposit and then a loan. It would be a wrapping onto the bean farm and then a sale or a purchase of beans. And then, you know, from a like a protocol perspective, what you've done is you've you know, not deposited, but you wrapped your ohm onto the onto beanstalk, um, and then sold the, that ohm into beans. Now, what you what you're talking about is the ability to deposit the ohm into the silo, and then borrow beans, sell those beans into ohm, and deposit more beans. Um, that will not be the case. What what I will say though, uh, Nasdaq, which you might find interesting. So one of the things on Afra's roadmap um, soon after the launch of the D three pool is Rari Fuse pools and the ability to borrow uh, bean frax or USDV um, off of certain TBD types of collateral. So you know, although bean stock isn't you know building that, I think you know Publius has, has kind of mentioned this, like you know. Um, he hopes uh, or they hope that, you know, there's an ecosystem of apps that kind of build out this borrowing lending kind of functionality. So that's definitely one of AFR's goals. And then, you know, taking those borrowed beans and potentially, you know, you know, putting them to work either sewing or, or in the silo. Um, so, you know, we can hopefully get to a world, you know, some point soon where, you know, we can borrow beans off of, you know, NFTs or whatnot. But yeah, we're definitely going to be starting with the Rari Fuse pools and going from there. And that also gives Afra just another way to generate cash flow um, on its liquidity. Okay. Awesome. Uh, it might also be time to mention, uh, it's pretty early yet, but um, we're, you know, talking with Fiat Dow about potentially using uh, odds. Uh, you know, as, as something that you could borrow against. So that's um, early days, and we don't have Max So here in the, in, you know, on stage to talk about it. But um, just wanted to mention that as well. So there's a lot, a lot of interesting things on the horizon as far as um, borrowing is concerned. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just wondering uh, if the the low interest rate loan would be utilized. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. If anything, the 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 structure that we envision here is that if you deposit, or not deposit, but if you, well, the verbiage is so hard to get given the Beanstalk deposits mean differently. But if you're providing, uh, if you're lending beans to a pool, 
such that people could borrow beans from that pool, the 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 LP token that you receive for providing that liquidity or that lending that bean to the pool, um, that may be able to be incorporated into the silo, for example. So there is ways that this will work, um, but specifically lending won't be directly incorporated into the silo. Instead, it will be through other protocols, as Mr. Manifold suggested. Okay, well, we've been going for a little over an hour. Um, definitely can take another question or two if people have them. So maybe before we hop, we would just use this to, to just say a couple things. Um, it's very exciting that the DAO is getting organized, but it's still not totally organized. So we appreciate everyone kind of bearing with us as we continue to organize and get organized. Um, but I think over the next couple of weeks, uh, everyone should start to see an increase in not maybe an increase, but just the the fruit of a lot of the, the work that's been done over the past month. Uh, and obviously, we've talked a lot about those different things, um, the pod marketplace, the generalized silo, the generalized bean farm. Um, but there, it's all happening, and uh, we're very excited for what the next couple weeks look like. Okay, well, uh, thanks everyone for coming. We, uh, if anyone's interested in the, uh, we have an operations meeting in the barnyard here in uh, about uh, nine minutes here. And that's going to be mostly focused on the upcoming poker tournament, uh, which we're going to be probably picking a date for and, and fleshing out a little bit more there. So um, feel free to head over there. And yeah, thanks for coming. We will, uh, I saw also in the chat there was discussion of POAPs, which uh, we'll see if there's any way we can. Uh, you know, we can spin that up, you know, in the short term. Can't promise anything for next, you know, next week or two, but it would be really cool if, if there was a way to, to coordinate that. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming, and we'll see you all next week. And if you want to come, uh, I'm just going to put the down meeting in the calendar now, uh, 8.30 uh, on Thursday, Eastern time. So have a good night, everyone.